I'm Joe, and I'm an alcoholic. Some people. I've got 400 people here, so it's going to take a little while to thank everybody. I love to talk. I love to talk in Alcoholics Anonymous. I love it. I love to talk anywhere. You'll hear some people say that they don't like doing this. I love it. I've wanted to be the center of attention all my life. So I know Laura talks at two, so we've got a couple hours. I want to thank Tom for asking me to talk. Congratulations on 15 years. Um, I was excited about it. I've never been to this conference. I know a lot of people have come here, and uh, many people have come here, and I've just never been here. And I think I'm going to come back. I've met a lot of people. Everybody's real nice. Everybody's talking. We were talking at breakfast, laughing. And, before breakfast, Vicky was talking about bad stuff. <laughs> My sponsor's here. I, uh, I got a sponsor about a year ago from Indiana. <clears throat> I've had probably 15 sponsors in my sobriety. Ten of them's died. Two of them quit Alcoholics Anonymous. The last three died. Good luck, Phil. <laughs> I'm still sober. <laughs> I, uh, Listen to Bob's lead last night. It's funny how we're all unique, but we have similar stories. And Bob talked about meeting his wife real young, and they're still together after all these years. And I had almost the same situation. <laughs> I met this girl in high school, and we fell in love, and she got pregnant, and everybody said, get married, do the right thing, get married. So I did. I got married. I did not marry the girl I had pregnant. I married a different girl. I liked her better. So I was on the same track as Bob, but I was 16 years old. And that's where my alcoholism. I get emotional about it still today. I was already drinking in the morning by the time I was 17. I had blood coming out my mouth, my nose, my ears. 17 years old, and the shakes would be bad, and that's just how I drank. I drank, it, it just come on me real young, the disease, I don't know why. Um, I'll apologize now, I didn't do drugs. I, um, I know most of the guys I sponsor did, I, I didn't, I just didn't. Now, I might have smoked pot if it was yours. I'm pretty tight with my money, always have been. I could tell you a lot of drinking stories, many drinking stories, and I know you have yours, and I like to hear them sometime, but now you're going to hear mine. And I'll just tell you a few of them. And this is how I drank. I, I told you I got a girl pregnant. I was in the nut ward when I was 15. Uh, a teacher and I got into a little incident, and there was some blood. I ended up in the nut ward, and I had my first spiritual 
awakening, I guess you would say, in the nut word of 15 because there were some red bars, and I was holding on them red bars, and I'm yelling, let me out of here, I ain't crazy. And hey, my first spiritual experience, I thought if I don't shut up, they're going to think I'm crazy. Right? <laughs> Isn't that how we learn? The hard way, always the hard way. I, uh, I was married, and the guys I was running with were married, and we all had bikes and leather, and I just, Covington, living in Covington, and um, it's just the way it was, and uh, my dad was a bricklayer, union bricklayer, my uncle was a union bricklayer, my cousin was bricklayers, my brother's bricklayers, nephew's bricklayers, I was a bricklayer, not because of any reason, but nobody else wanted me, you know, my family sort of took care of me like that. I was married, um, drinking quite a bit, my family drinks quite a bit, still does, and um, this girl I married, she didn't drink. I was 25 years old when I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, 1984. My sobriety date's February 20th, 1984. I was 25 years old. And when I saw that there were women in Alcoholics Anonymous, I was shocked. I was attracted, but I was shocked. Because I didn't get with girls that drank. Because who was going to take care of me? I needed somebody. I knew that real young, very young. I knew I needed a girl to take care of me because I was going to get drunk, and I like to get beat up. I know the right thing to say is I like to fight, but I like to get beat up. And she needed to take care of me. So, I, so I, I'm not dumb. So I understood all that. We... Uh, one of the biggest, here's a, a real important, pivotal spot in my, in my life, sobriety. I think I was 17 years old. And uh, a buddy of mine, there's a lot of violence in my story at the young age. And a buddy of mine, the guys I was running with, um, today they call it domestic. Back then they didn't really call it that. That was before 911. And I remember he was drunk and we were all drunk. And I was 17, I think he was 18. And we were all married. And I remember she went down the steps, and he went down after her, and he just he kept kicking. It was just bad. He just kept kicking her. It was bad. And the ambulance came and got her, the state police. I remember the state police were there. The government police were there. They cuffed me and took my chains off, my chain belts off. And they, they arrested him, took her away in the ambulance. And we're young. And uh, when his brother and I went and got him out of jail, we bonded him out of jail. When we got back, about this far, he was about this far away from me. He, drank, he was drinking some whiskey. It was about four in the morning. He was drinking some whiskey. He's about where Vicky was sitting. He took a shotgun. He blew his guts out all over the floor. And I remember him and my, him and his brother after the ambulance come and got him. And uh, he didn't make it through that. And, uh, you know, his brother and I we never spoke about that. See, because when you're drinking and you're a tough guy and you're wearing leather and chain, you can't act like that bothers you. You cannot. You you have to act like you don't care. In the insanity of alcoholism, it got to the point where I didn't care. And that's just what happened. And I can tell you a hundred stories. I know you've got your story. About a year later, this girl I was married to told me she wanted a divorce. She was tired of my drinking. I promised her I'd quit drinking, and I meant it with every fiber of my body. And I'd keep drinking. And she was tired of the blood in my beard, and she, she was tired of it. She said she wanted a divorce. She wanted to marry John. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm the type, 
with my disease. I may not want you, but by God, nobody else is going to have you. And I remembered my buddy doing it that night. And the next thing I know, she's down, and the state police arrested me. And they're cuffing me. I think I was 18 years old. And that's just where it got. It, it, it got that way young. I've never seen that girl that I was married to. I've never seen that woman. The last time I saw her was 1981. That John that she left me for was the vice president of Bank of America. They live in Singapore. I wish I'd have met that dude. Man. <laughs> Hell, I'd have married him. And I get sober and got to pray for her. <laughs> Needless to say, she's done well without me. You know? <laughs> she left and my brother and my cousin are bricklayers. And I still own the house in Covington. She didn't want that little house that we bought together. I thought she was being nice. Now I know she met the big rich guy. She didn't need my little house there in Covington, you know, <laughs> my little $30,000 house. And so my brother and my cousin moved in with me, and I thought it was going to be the best time of my life. I'm paying child support to this girl that I got pregnant. I'm paying child support every month to her. I'm not, now I'm not divorced no more, and, and now I can finally live. I'm 18 years old, and God cheated me from all those younger years. I wasn't allowed to have fun, and now I can have fun. Finally, I can have fun. And I remember they moved in, and I thought it was going to be the best time of my life. And after about the second month, they're living with me. It'd be a Friday night. We'd lay brick all week, and we'd get ready to go out to the bar because we were going to meet all these girls. And I'd get out of the shower, and they'd be gone. And I thought, man, they forgot me. The next Friday night, we'd get all ready, and I think, they forgot me again. They were good fighters. And I was a good starter. <laughs> and they got tired of Joe starting the fights and them having to do the fighting. So the best time in my life, in my mind, I'm by myself one more time. And the book says, we, we know loneliness like few men do. And I understand that. I feel it. I still feel it today in my gut. I understand that loneliness. It's terrible. And I had it then. And you know what you do? drink more. You've got to drink more. I've lost all choice by now. I had to drink more. Because you, I had to act like I don't care. And it's real, very young age I was like that. I don't know why. I can tell you a hundred stories. Most of them probably aren't true. I was drunk. Um, like that night I was telling you about when the state police arrested me with my ex-wife. She's probably got a whole different story on that. But that's how I remember. But I was pretty drunk. I'll speed up. I'm 25 years old. I've been in jail. I've been in nut wards. I've been in care units. Now, I like them. I still like them. I remember this one nut ward I was in. I met this girl. I loved her, man. I don't think we knew each other's name, but you know, that doesn't matter, man. It's like she was beautiful. And I just, I just, still to this day, it's like I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love, I love it. I just love it. I'm going to jump up here. I'm a principal of a high school today. 
I'm a principal. Now, there was some blood in an incident in my high school where I had some issues. Today, I'm a principal of a high school. And I'll sit in meetings, and there will be 50 principals. And I'll say to myself, God, please don't let me run my mouth today. <laughs> i got to sit in these meetings for two days. God, please help me keep my mouth shut. You ever do that? It's not 15 minutes. And they're going to know my opinion. They didn't ask for it. Didn't request it, but they're going to know it. <laughs> Alcoholism. See, I wake up every morning just thinking I know everything. Now, I don't want to wake up like that, but I just wake up like that. Some days, I'm okay spiritually where I remember who I am. I talk to God, and it's like, just let me be a regular guy. Other days, I forget, and if I'm sitting next to you, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> is what I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous is when I'm sitting next to you, hell, you thinking you're smarter than me. What? <laughs> I didn't know that. What a disease. I was 25 years old. I was sitting on the floor. Up against my bed, I'm going to date myself here, and I had a quarter beer. And I was crying like a little baby. See, because I knew this time something was different. This time wasn't about the care units. It wasn't about the nut wars. It wasn't about the hospitals. It wasn't about all that. I couldn't do it anymore. The loneliness, I couldn't do it. I understood my buddy at that minute blowing his guts out. I couldn't do it no more. So I did what any tough guy, leather chains, earring does. I called mom. That's what I did. And I remember she said, why don't you try AA again? And I said, mom, you know that doesn't work. See, because I had been to some AA meetings. When they would put me into care units, they'd take me to AA. And the one thing, I didn't really understand what you were saying, but I knew you didn't drink, and I wasn't interested. So I remember I cleaned my chains up and leather, and I went to my first, I call it, real AA meeting, because I was going because I had nowhere else to go. And I walk in, there's about eight, ten people sitting at the table, and I sat way over there by the door, just in case I needed to escape. And there was a tall, thin guy, flirting with the girls, talking, laughing, and I thought, I don't like that cocky. You know? I know in discussions we don't judge, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I watched him, and he's running his mouth, and those girls are laughing, and I'm over there by myself, debating whether to kill myself. But you've got to look cool over there in the corner in case I do decide to kill myself. And the only person that walks over to me is that tall cocky. I don't understand why God would put him in my life. He walks over and he shakes my hand. He says, I'm George. And I said, I'm Joe. He says, you want a cup of coffee? I had never drank a cup of coffee in my life. But I saw everybody with the white cups. And I needed to fit in. I didn't have nowhere else to go. I said, sure, I'll take a cup of coffee. And I'll never forget, he asked me the dumbest question I've ever been asked. He said, what do you want in this?
I said, you people in AA ask a lot of questions, man. <laughs> See, I, I'm having a debate about a cup of coffee, deciding if I'm going to kill myself. What, what are you going to I can't be honest with this guy. He walks over and sits and talks to me, and I'm drinking this coffee. Terrible tasting stuff. Oh, it's terrible. I drink 10 gallons a day. It's terrible. Still tastes terrible. Him and I sit and talk. Now, I've been to priests, I've been to psychologists, psychiatrists, many people. And here's a guy in AA, tall, cocky dude, thin dude, never met before in my life. And he starts telling me stuff. And I trusted him. Because he wasn't telling me what he thought, he's telling me what he did. And I'll never forget, I don't know this guy out of nowhere. And here's how God works in my life, and here's how God's worked in my life. He says to me, I used to get drunk and beat my wife up. I had never told nobody that. I had an attorney tell me never to tell nobody that. <laughs> and I said, man, I did that too. He said, don't feel bad. I beat all five of mine up. I said, you need AA bad, dude. <laughs> See who God hooks me up with? He was my first sponsor. I didn't pick him. God did that for me. I like to win. I don't know about you, but I like to win. If we're playing softball, I want to be the best on the team, even if i got to cheat. I like to win. I don't want to be second. I've always wanted to be the best. Alcoholism. I don't know how to be second. He's got five. I've got one. I'm losing. So I'm going to throw some big one on him. So I said to him, the book says we, it comes to a point where we can't differentiate the truth from the false. So I throw this big one on him. I said, man, my life's been bad. I got two brothers that got hit by lightning, and it's always bothered me bad. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Think about it, man. That's a good one. Now, that is the truth. I got two brothers that got hit by lightning. They're both still alive. I wasn't there when it happened, but it's a good one to throw on there. It doesn't bother me at all. I wasn't even there. But it's a good one. So this is the truth. And I said, man, it just always bothered me bad. I thought, I beat this dude. I got him now. I swear to you. Here's what he said. I've been through 13 shock treatments. I love electric. That's He likes to win, too. He says he has since been honest. He said he's only been through 11 shock treatments, but he could tell how crazy I was. I'd been through some, so he wanted to lie and be more shock treatments than me. We were lying about shock treatments. <laughs> See who God hooks up with me? I didn't look up for him. I tell you, and, I, and I, I, sometimes I get real emotional. We were talking earlier about some stuff, and I get real emotional, and I'm just one of those guys that get emotional, and I always apologize for it. I don't know why, but I, uh, I hear everybody's sponsors different. I sponsor the way I've been sponsored, and you'll sponsor the way you've been sponsored. I hear some people say, you call me every day. I don't sponsor that way, and I'm going to tell you why. Because this George could save my life. 
He called me that night. Because I would not have called him. I would have blown my guts out. He called me. And he said, are you going to be able to make it through the night? And I said, I don't know, George. The shakes are back and the blood's coming up pretty bad. I think I'm going to have to drink. He drove to my house with some Hershey candy bars and sat with me. I didn't call him. He didn't demand for me to call him. Alcoholics Anonymous come to me. When a guy in a meeting asked me to sponsor him, I always trade numbers. And I say, call me. I always say, call me. He said, I will. And I'll call him for you. Before I get to my house, I will call him. Because I want him to know I will do my part. Because that's the way I was raised. Is that the right way to sponsor? Yes. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? For me, it's the right way to sponsor. You'll sponsor how you were sober, how you got sober. And that's how it works. This George, I'm 25 years old, and I can tell you many, many drinking stories. I'm not going to. Like I told you, they're probably all lies. I was drunk. I talked a while back, and I, and I like to talk in years in my sobriety, um, just because it, it chronologically, it, it lets me know where I'm at. And after me, one time, somebody said, you talk in years. Like, this year you were sober, and that year, and you were 10 years. We stay sober in days. I said, well, I couldn't remember to count all the days. What, 669,200 days? I can't do, you know what I mean? So if I talk in years, yes, I do stay sober one day at a time. But, but I talk in years so I know where I'm at. I was about three months sober, and as George says to me, I can't sponsor you no more. I'm in an AA relationship. I said, what's an AA relationship? He laughed like that. He says, you'll find out. Don't worry. And he introduces me to this other George. Two Georges. This dude's got a three-piece suit on. And I told you how I wore the leather and chains and lived in This dude's got a three-piece suit on. Shake his hand. We talk. He says, sure, I'll sponsor you. I said, all right, cool. I said, you ever been in jail? Nope. I said, have you ever hit a woman? He said, I don't like men who hit women. I asked him a couple other questions. He said he didn't do nothing. I said, why are you in AA, dude? <laughs> it was real important what he said. He said, I drank two fists of gin, and I was so lonely, I wanted to blow my guts out. See, I hit it mixed up. I thought it's what we did. But all of our stories are unique. It's that lonely, god-awful, lonely pain that alcoholics have. You people know that. He had that same terrible, lonely gut feeling that I had. And I related to that. Him and I get talking. He takes me outside. And he shows me his red Corvette. I said, man, we used to steal cars like that. And then I remember thinking, man, hope you better shut up here. You steal his car, you know. Him and I just started talking. He was my second sponsor. I think I was about four or five months sober. It was a Saturday morning. Now, when three guys were living in the house, I got sober, 25 years old, living with my brother and my cousin. Monday night football, 20, 50 guys there. 
And they did grow. And I got sober like that. I'd go to a meeting, and then I'd come back after the meeting, and you people told me to carry the message. <laughs> yeah. Well, on Monday Night Football, they weren't laughing like you're laughing. They was tired of Joe. <laughs> but I was carrying the message about God. Now, they seen what I did. So the second George says, or no, that's not how it happened. It was a Saturday morning, three, four months sober. Somebody's beating on the door Saturday morning. And I get up, and I step over some guys, and I get to the door because I'm the only one sober in the whole house. It's the two AA Georges, like 9 o'clock in the morning. And I remember thinking, God, I hope the neighbors don't see these AA people at my house. I'm comfortable with the guys peeing in the bushes, but not the AA people, man. And they said, you want to go to the Florence Mall? We're going shopping. I'm 25 years old. And I thought, God, this AA is grace. This is what my life's come to. I'm shopping with guys in AA? Because I got no other friends? Drink or sober? Now I got to make a decision. So we go shopping. And I'm going to share... I hope this don't offend any women. I don't think it will. I, I had, it's important in my story, because we're at the mall, and we're walking around the mall, and we're talking about God. And I've still got that old concept of God. I was raised Catholic. I still believe in God. It's okay, but I was raised Catholic. And I, uh, so I still got that old concept of God. And us three guys are in the car talking about what guys talk about. And I was into it. But we're talking about God, too. Well, to me, you got to sort of lie there, you know? You can't be honest in that. And So we're walking through the mall, us three guys, and there's some pretty girls walk by. And the one George says, look at that. And the other one says, look at that. And I thought, huh. Sorry, guy. See, because I'm confused. I didn't know we were allowed to look at that and talk to God all at the same time. 25 years old. I didn't know you were allowed to do that. And I like to share that experience because we hurt no one. We didn't offend no one. They didn't hear anything. It was okay for me to be a guy with a guy and still talk to God. See, I didn't know that. That's a very important part, and I'll tell you why. I did not learn that in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I was not in a meeting, and I was not reading that book. I was with people in AA, from AA, outside of AA. That's how I learned that. I didn't ask them to come to my house. I was embarrassed they did. They came to me one more time. Alcoholics Anonymous. The second George says, Joe, you can't keep living like that, man. You're going to get drunk. You can't have all this. And you all know, if you have no friends... You accept whoever will be around you. I was comfortable with it. At least it appeared I had friends. 
He said, you can't keep living like that. I'll move in with you, help you pay half your house payment, and they can move out. They don't have to pay. I thought, these AA people are great, man. So they left. George moved in. I've since found out the reason we were at the mall was his girlfriend threw him out. He was taking his ring back to get the money. He had nowhere to live. <laughs> and I'm the new guy with the house. <laughs> I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love it. We get talking, and him and I are talking about God, and we're going to meetings, and he's helping me with God, and we keep talking about God, and it, it's so cool. I'm, I'm building this little spiritual as much as I could with God, and I'm not doing real well with it. And some experiences in sobriety. I'm six months sober with George, living with George. Now, you'll hear people say you have to work the steps to stay sober. You have to do it. I'm going to share some experiences with you that I stayed sober, and you can stay sober without working the steps, and I'll share some experiences with you. I was six months sober. I was living there in Covington on a one-way street. Hadn't had a drink in six months. Proud of it. I was being anonymous until you said hi to me, and then I was telling you how great I was doing in AA. I like to practice humility. I just need to tell you about it. That's my problem. I like to tell you how good I am doing with it. Six months over, I'm going down this one-way street. Here come the Covenant Police this way. One way. We're going this way. We just stop. Covenant Police, blue lights turns on, door opens, and it's a female with a pistol and a badge. Had a problem with women all my life. Now I'm sober, and she's got a pistol and a badge. So I figured she doesn't know about AA. Because I heard that you can do whatever you want as long as you don't drink. That's what I heard in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not saying it was said, but that's what I heard. So I told this lady, police officer, I live in that house right up there, and I'm sober. Here come another police cruiser. Now I'm in handcuffs. I thought, they don't understand AA. They've, they've never been to a meeting, couldn't have been. So, I'd like to share that. If you're thinking about not working the steps, you can stay sober. But be willing to pay the price. <laughs> I was nine months sober. When I was married, I got married real young, paying child support to that other girl. So, my life was real mixed up young, and I'm trying to get sober, trying to straighten my life out. When I was married, I had a pink bedroom. I'm 18 years old, married with a pink bedroom. You know how women are. Now I'm sober, 25 years old. So I, so I said, George, I'm, I'm going to be a man finally. So I paint my bedroom. All the walls, real shiny black. I put mirrors all over the ceiling, water bed. 25-year-old kid sober. It was awesome. <laughs> it was the happiest I've ever been in my whole life. I could do whatever I want as long as I don't drink. And I'm not married. And this AA, George, says, what would you put those mirrors up there with? I said, listen, George, you help me with AA. I'm in construction. He laughed, never said a word. 
and I made my first deal with God. I thought, well, these Georgians have been pretty cool with me. They haven't lied to me yet. I wonder if he knows something I don't know. So I made my first deal with God. I said, God, I'm going to get in the shower here. I didn't tell nobody this. Nine months over. I said, I'm going to get in the shower. God, if you want those mirrors put up with whatever semen he's talking about, show me a sign. Just let me know. I swear to you, I get out of the shower, and there's a mirror laying right in the middle of the bed. And I'll never forget, I jumped up on that bed. I said, George, get in here. God's in here. He's going to get me, man. Because I was so afraid of God. But see, I was building that relationship with God. I wasn't doing it well, but I was building it. He laughed. All those experiences. Sober. I'm going to jump up. I was three years sober. I was still single in Alcoholics Anonymous. I had got, got my hair cut by then. My hair was cut off, and I wasn't wearing. I was trying to dress with collars. and It was uncomfortable, but I was trying to look somewhat normal. And I was fitting in AA, and, and I liked it, and I was meeting people, and it was, Alcoholics Anonymous was working in my life. I was three years sober, and there was a girl, I heard her say to this other girl after a meeting, the guys will appreciate this, in Alcoholics Anonymous. She says, I'm nine months sober, I have no kids, I've never been married, I have a job, and I own my car, and I own my own house. And alcoholics not. So I said to her, listen, you can't trust these guys. <laughs> so I said to her. She divorced me in 06. <laughs> I hear she's doing well too. Selfishness and self-centeredness. That we think is the root of our troubles. See, I heard something I thought was going to fix me. I jumped in there. I've done it all my life. She couldn't have children, so uh, we adopted two. Children, my son's 14 years old, and my daughter's 11. My son was three days old. I carried him home. That birth mom shot drugs through the whole pregnancy, including the day he was born. So he's autistic. He's on a lot of meds. He has his issues. I always tell people, if you do something to hurt my feelings, I will bring my 14 to your house and won't give him his medicine. <laughs> I'll get you back. He hasn't broken a window in my house in about three years. Pretty cool how God put him in my life. He's cut my eye. What goes around, comes around. My 11-year-old, I had a little talk with her, trying to be the best dad I can be, the best single dad. So I had this great talk with her, going to be this dad, and I talked to her about you know, I go to meetings, because I bring her to AA meetings with me, and you know, I said, I don't want you to drink, I don't want you to drug, I don't want you getting pregnant. And she's 11 years old. And she says to me, Dad, I haven't even started my period yet. <laughs> I guess I'll let Mom take care of that part. <laughs> I'm trying.
I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm raising two kids by myself. What a privilege. What an opportunity God's given me. It's so cool. Because I get to sit there and talk with them, argue with them, fight with them. I've got that 34-year-old daughter. And I'll tell you how alcoholism is. That girl got pregnant back in high school. She's married to a guy who drinks a bunch. They have four children. I guarantee you, right this minute, they have no electrical wire. And she's drunk her highest moment. The wreckage of my past. It's probably been two years since I've seen her. She, uh, the last time I saw her, I gave her 150 bucks. She said she had a toothache. I knew she didn't have a toothache. So I gave her the 150 bucks. And then I told her I won't give her any more money, no matter what. Alcoholism. See, I hear a lot of stories in AA about everything is great at the end, and it is. My life's great, but I have some wreckage of my past. And other people are paying a price for that. I'm going to jump way up. I was 20 years sober. And they diagnosed me with cancer all through my neck. I know there's people in this room with cancer, had cancer. Probably 10 people I know. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Went through some hard times. I'm not a good thrower-upper. That radiation. But I tell you, the experience I had with God, I went through a surgery. They didn't get it. I went through 35 radiation treatments. They didn't get it. They did a PET scan. Said, Joe, is still there. We've got to cut you again. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I knew that probably might not be good. They, they put a black mark from my ear all the way across my neck, all the way across here, and then all the way up here. And the reason why I know that is that black mark was like this and this. They were going to cut the side of my face out, and I had to hold a mirror up before they put me under, and I had to put J-A with an initial with a black mark in it. I had to put my initial, so I knew where all those staples were going to be, and I was going to talk out of that box. That's how I went under, 20 years sober. When I woke up, the nurse says, you're going home. And I said, I thought I was going to be in the hospital for five days. She said, oh, no, honey, you only got six staples in you. The doctor cut you. As soon as he cut you, he said something didn't look right. He thought the scan might have missed something. So you laid there for a couple hours. They sent it off. That cancer's gone. The scan just picked it up wrong. You're going home. And I had a cheeseburger at home Alcoholics Anonymous. People would come to my house because I couldn't get up when I was doing all that throwing up and they'd move the chairs around and we'd have a little meeting. And I love AA. I just love I love alcohol. It's my whole life. I, I have no I just love it. I have nothing else. But people in AA say the dumbest thing. If you're sick and I come to you, I don't know what I'll say, but I, I know what I won't say. Because here's what they said to me. You've had a good 20 years. I think, what? <laughs> the hell does that mean? 
And I knew they were being nice, but I couldn't get off the couch to hit them. I was too sick. So if you're sick, I am not going to say that to you. A couple more things, then I'll shut up. I told you I love to talk. A couple more things, then I'll shut up. I'm a principal of a high school today, high school technical school. I wasn't looking for the job. I wasn't looking to become a teacher. I didn't like school. I still don't like school. I have 17-year-old students sit in front of my desk and say, Mr. Raymond, I hate school. And I say, hell, I do too. I'm getting paid. I understand them. School's boring. I said, it's going to be boring tomorrow too. I don't know what to tell you. I'm in a technical school. I'm six years sober. And I was a bricklayer. My whole family's bricklayers. All I've ever done in my whole life, lay bricks. Hard work, drink hard. And I hadn't been drinking six years. I was six years sober. And we were putting addition on this school. And I was the boss of the job. I probably had 30 bricklayers working for me. I'm not saying I was a good bricklayer. But if you're a bricklayer and you're sober, you're the boss. And this principal walks over to me and says, I'm the principal of the vocational school over here, and we have a bricklaying class and a carpentry class, and our bricklaying teacher quit. Would you be interested in teaching? I'm six years sober. I figure this isn't the time to share my lead with this man. <laughs> six years sober, I've learned a lot. You people have taught me a lot. So I said to him, it was 100 degrees that day. I said to him, is it air conditioned? <laughs> I was right. I said to him. He said, the classroom is. I said, I'm interested. <laughs> Six years sober. They interviewed me. I'd never been on an interview, interview before in my life. You don't interview for bricklaying jobs. You wear boots and climb scaffold. If you don't fall, they, they hire you. <laughs> so I get dressed, and here's how the alcoholic, the disease of alcoholism works in my mind. Six years sober, I'm going to interview to be a teacher. That's a big step from where I came from. I never went to college. I had never been in college. I think we stole some cars from the college parking lot, but I'd never been in the college. <laughs> and I was married at the time, and here's how my disease alcoholism worked. I had to wear a tie. She said, you need to wear a tie. I said, okay. I said, I don't know how to tie a tie. And this is the lady I'm married to. And so she starts tying the tie. And I said, how do you know how to tie a tie? See where my mind goes? And she says, don't worry about it. I said, no, I want to know. <laughs> that alcoholism kicks in on me. See, I'm wanting to fight anything good come in my life. I'm wanting to fight it. Anything good, any possibility of good, I want to fight. I go on this interview, and they said, I think they said there were five or six interviews. I, I forget how many, five or six. So I interviewed best I could. And a couple days later, that principal called me back and says, the committee wants you. I thought, man, they're serious about this. Man. 
I said, why me? Here's what they said. We asked them all the same questions. We have to ask all the applicants the same questions. As principal today, I still have to ask all the same questions. And at the end, we asked if we thought you would, if you think you would be a good teacher. And you're the only one that said you didn't know you have never done it. The other ones all said they'd be great teachers. And I thought, the biggest liar was honest. Out of all six of them, I have to be the biggest liar. <laughs> and I got the job because I'm honest. <laughs> what a tribute to Alcoholics Anonymous. What a tribute to Alcoholics Anonymous. They hired me, and I had to sign some papers. I'd go to school and get a degree. That's how they did it in Kentucky at the technical school. So I signed this, and I went and got a degree. And, and I remember telling myself, this time I'm going to do my own homework. I stuck to it pretty good. <laughs> I liked it, and I kept going to school. And my principal said he was going to retire. I had one more class left to go, and my principal said, I can't wait no more. I'm going to retire. And I understood him. That man couldn't hold up another year of his life for Joe Amon, so he leaves. They hire this young principal way south in Kentucky, comes up, she comes up. Four months later, she's caught stealing. They fire. They come to me and say, you're ready to be principal now. Are you ready? I said, sure, I'm ready. Will you be the acting principal until we can do it? I said, sure, I'll be the acting principal. And acting principal is you're the principal and you sign acting principal, but they don't pay you principal salary. But I knew it was a good stepping stone for me, so I did it. For 10 days, they had a post-it, the paper, with the phone number, the school's phone number. So they would call and say, I'm interested in the job. And I'd say, that's good. But see, I'm the acting principal. <laughs> there was only one person to interview 10 days later, and that was me. God's will. <laughs> One more thing, then I'll shut up. I get a little emotional. We were talking, I get a little emotional. I've got a 14 year old and 11 year old, I've got a 34 year old. Two totally different different circumstances. That's my life. I wish I could tell you I've done everything great with my kids and I'm this great dad and all that, but I've made so many mistakes. And I hate that my 34-year-old daughter lives the way she lives today. I hate that. I feel like I'm making amends to her by trying to raise these two. When my 11-year-old daughter 
calls me on the phone when she's at her mother's house and says, Dad, I love you. I wish, I wish I was at your house. I think what a tribute to Alcoholics Anonymous. When I came to AA, from the bottom of my heart, the only thing I wanted was a new pickup truck. <laughs> I knew AA would work if I could get a new pickup truck to haul bricks. That's all I wanted. And you've given me the best gift in the world. I'm raising kids, doing the best I can. Something I couldn't do the first time. And I thank you all for that. Thank you.